Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John, and I am joined by returning favorite... Yes. Qu- question mark. <laughs> what? <laughs> returning favorite, Dr. Andy. Hey, how's it going? It is going great. Uh, you are a favorite. Thank you. I, <laughs> I shouldn't have to pull that out of you somehow, but yeah. okay. <laughs> True, fair enough. Uh, so on this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk about one new movie that is in theaters right now. A, a bunch of, I almost said a several of, mm-hmm. that does not make sense, a bunch of short films that are part of a, a festival that happened recently, and then we're going to talk about the gigantic festival that is about to kick off here in Seattle, which is SIF, the Seattle International Film Festival. It's insane. Uh, sheer madness. So right off the bat, the film that we're going to talk about uh, will be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, and Andy, you just recently, for some reason, even though the first movie came out in 2014, mm-hmm. You just recently saw Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, it was, Volume it was, it was 1. Yeah, quite the coincidence because I'm not even sure I knew that there was a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 going to be released. Well, no, I knew that obviously it's it's a, a, a franchise and there would be coming out, but I wasn't aware that it would be coming out quite as close to when I would actually get this, uh, get to watch uh, the first one. And I would have actually have watched it sooner. Only, <laughs> and this is a little embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I like these. <laughs> so please don't let this go any further than this room. No problem. Okay. But um, I, I got my galaxies mixed up and I accidentally watched Galaxy Quest mm. instead of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And that sort of like set me back a little bit because I was thinking, I wonder why everybody was raving about this one because this is not very good. And then it <laughs> started to dawn on me, oh, there's Chris, I haven't seen Chris, there's no Chris Pratt in this. Mm-mm. And then and I thought, oh. Oh, and then I looked it up and thought, oh, nuts. So, yeah, no. So um, I did. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy number numero one uh, just a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. So it's fresh in my memory as best as I can recall. I was like, um, <laughs> Andy's, Dr. Andy's memory uh, sometimes is not the greatest. Uh, not for this kind of stuff, no. Yeah. Uh, well, Ask actually, me the capitals of the world. I can I can pull those up. That actually that I would not quest or I would not question question that. You would not galaxy question that. <laughs> Got me all messed up thinking about Galaxy Quest, which in its own right was a great movie. Tim Allen was in it. Scorny Weaver. You thought it was a great movie. Uh, rest in peace, um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. I thought that was one of his worst roles, but carry on. Yeah, yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One with Chris Pratt. Now, Andy, I know that you are not a uh, superhero, <laughs> crazy mm, no. um, action movie type of guy sometimes. Mm-hmm, but what mm-hmm. did you think of the first Guardians of the Galaxy? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I enjoyed the mix of action and uh, comedy. I thought that there was there was a fairly good balance to it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm not sure I liked all of the characters equally uh, understandable uh, but um but uh yeah no it was it was very watchable uh the cgi was not uh, annoying not super annoying at least mm-hmm. um and it moved along at a good clip yeah so it was it was it was very watchable <laughs> wow which granted for comic book movies when andy says very watchable that is actually high praise for for his. Well, I mean, view what you have these. to think of is is that you know that there, there was a gigantic build up for it because 
you know, everybody loved Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody who would watch it loved Guardians of this the Galaxy had, It 1. had such a wider appeal than most. And I think that is partly due to the fact that unless you are a crazy comic book collector, I say that as we are surrounded in the studio by literally boxes and boxes of comics. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy was not really ever a huge property, even in the Marvel wheelhouse. But at this point in the game, and even back in 2014 when that movie came out, the first one, Marvel at that point already had six movies under its belt. And they were at the point when they were like, all right, we do not have Fantastic Four. We cannot do Silver Surfer. We cannot do all of this. What else do we have? Guardians of the Galaxy? Sure, why not? They hire fantastic writers. They already have directors just begging to work for Marvel. And they put out a movie that was really, really well received without a bunch of comic book nerds being like, mm, this was wrong and this was wrong. Because um, no one really knew that much about it. Well, that that and, and the really, as I said, great combination of action, which attracts the action people and mm-hmm. comedy. And, you know, at a, at a fairly um, non-obscene level so that, you know, it's a family film at the same time. Sure. You can you can bring your family to it, potentially. Which Marvel, for the most part, I cannot think of a Marvel movie that crossed the line. So, and that I think that contributes to their amazing success is Captain America, all of them, Captain America, all of Captain America's. It just it works the avengers movies work and yeah they they can get pretty intense if you're bringing a family but yeah i mean when you do that and you have a wide range yeah i mean but i mean think you this one it very much the comedy was very much to to the forefront Mm -hmm. and you had an adorable raccoon like creature and an an adorable tree like creature Mm -hmm. so i mean that's i mean that appeals to again a, a wider range of folk yeah uh, so before we go into the second movie, a uh, quick Guardians of the Galaxy comic book history lesson. Theme song. <laughs> okay, I do not have a theme song for the comic book history lesson, but I should. Uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy, like I said, this was a property that was never really one of the Marvel staples. Uh, it came out in 1969. It only had a four-person team back then. It was Martinex, uh, Captain Charlie 27, Yondo, Yondu, and uh, Vance Astro, who they have not even touched in these movies. So that was the kind of the core group. And then over the years, other people started coming and going. Captain America was at one point a defender or defender. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Well, he was the defender also, but uh, that is a different story. He was story. A, an Avenger of the Guardians. Right. Go there on. you go. Uh, but this new team that the movies are based off of is relatively new. It, this new team was formed in 2008 in the comics as part of the Annihilation event. So from 2008 to then 2014, having their own movie and now having a second one is huge. It leaves tons of room for prequel though. Well, and we will talk about that oh, once Jesus. we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because boy do language, I have uh, <laughs> some some Easter eggs and things like that. Uh, But with this second movie, so this picks up pretty much right after the first one. I think they said it was something like two months later, and it just hits the ground running. Just like Andy was saying in, you know, with the first one, it just keeps going. 
you know, just has a really good pace. This, it starts with, and I'm glad they did this. This is one of the things I was really happy with. The first scene of the movie, the first like 10 minutes, were in some of the first trailers. I liked that because all too often, especially with these big budget movies, you see the main stuff, the mm-hmm. third act stuff yeah. in the trailers. And you were like, why, uh, why do I need to go see this movie? movie? Yeah. So with this, that big tentacle monster that you see in the trailers, right away, you get it. So that was great. It just hits the ground running. The humor and the chemistry between the characters and the cast was awesome. Just right off of the bat. Uh, that being said, the one of the most beloved characters from the first movie, that being Groot, who, granted, this is about the extent of Vin Diesel's range right here, uh, is three words. Sorry, Vin Diesel. Love you, buddy. But come on. <laughs> uh, so in at the end of the first movie, spoiler alert, something happens to Groot and it changes him, which is how he appears in the second movie. If I had a nickel... For every time the person to my right was saying, aww, or, aw, that's adorable. I mean, it was seriously every 30 seconds. And granted, Andy was to my right. So it was either Andy or the person next I to him. I assure you it wasn't me. Mm, you have been working on your ventriloquy skills. <clears throat> ventriloquy skills? <laughs> no, no, he hasn't. Oh, yes, he has. Oh my gosh! Did you see that? My lips didn't move. Yeah, that was amazing. Hey, uh, <laughs> was it? It was Vin Diesel who was who was Groot. I thought it was yeah. um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No. 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 Okay. Whatever. You were confusing the wrestlers that are in this movie because there is only one, and it is Dave Bautista. <laughs> uh, so that I thought that was Dwayne the Rock. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Not all wrestlers look the same, Doctor Andy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so Groot in this one is adorable. I mean, he looks the same as he did at the end of the last movie when everybody knew he was going to be this cute little thing. They sold so much merchandise with Baby Groot after the first one. Yeah, it was crazy. So as adorable as he was, and granted, this is that that we saw this at an advanced screening. And sometimes uh, the crowds at the advanced screenings uh, are a little bit different or varied because they get to see it before everybody and they're really excited uh but man every 10 seconds oh he's so cute we he is we get it leave it alone i think uh my my opinion was he was a little bit too adorable yeah i mean the parts where baby groot kind of went crazy and showed more depth uh, and again, there's a scene in the trailer, so this is not a spoiler alert. Well, like when he gets really upset and he mm-hmm. starts chasing after somebody, mm-hmm. that part was amazing. <laughs> there's a scene uh, in that same ship where there's a lot of, uh, how should we say, communication issues uh, between Baby Groot and a couple of the other characters. This scene goes on for a couple minutes. They're having a bunch of communication problems. That scene was probably my favorite Groot scene because mm-hmm. it was just hilarious other than one of the post credit scenes uh, which we'll get to later <laughs> um, so yeah so this second movie they honestly what was crazy is the amount of CGI and the amount of work that they had to do was really amazing they were able to do it with the budget they had because the first it didn't have that big of a budget well it had more than the first one but not by what you would think the first one the budget was 170 million mm-hmm. 
which is madness. I, yeah. But like madness. But this one was only 200 million. <laughs> it's only 200 Only 200 million. million. So, but that $30 million more, <clears throat> this movie looks completely different from the first one while still maintaining that same tone mm-hmm. like, and visual language. But I was expecting it to cost way more just for the sheer number of things that they had to do differently. It was done very well. I have to say that. Yeah. yeah. That was that was one of the first things is the visuals of this. The CGI is heavy. Really, really heavy. I mean, this is interplanetary, you know, universe type stuff, but all felt real. Like it had a tactile nature to it for the most part. There was some stuff on uh, one of the planets that they go to where, you know, that willing suspension of disbelief the was e- there. Which one? The ego planet? Ego planet. Yeah. I thought the the external stuff was really good. I thought the internal stuff was yeah, it was okay. Yeah. It was a little too fakey. Yeah. So um, that was the thing is like the all of the flora and fauna mm-hmm. was tactile. Yeah. But yeah, yeah as soon yeah. as they went inside, I wonder what that is. I wonder if there is something about it is easier for our brains to kind of comprehend this foreign landscape on a planet. But when it comes to interior shots, we get more picky because those are real. <laughs> <laughs> So that maybe that is it. It's, it's hard to go into the explaining why I think the internal planet doesn't didn't look as good as the external without doing a variety of different spoilers. So I'm just going to have to <laughs> leave it really. But but I you know this is one of those movies where we when we saw it on a gigantic IMAX screen mm-hmm. in 3D yeah. and I I think I appreciated the 3D, which I usually don't. I mean, I don't think it was absolutely necessary, but I think it it, it did add... uh, (laughs) I was going to say, it added some depth, which obviously it does because it's 3D, but I mean, in in the the more metaphorical sense, it Mm -hmm. it added some depth, um, which, um, yeah. I mean, so again, if I was buying a, a ticket to it, would I throw the extra three bucks in to see it? I, I I don't know if Three, I, it, I I'm pretty sure it is like an extra seven dollars well, whatever these days. whatever it is um <laughs> um but you know I I would I yeah, maybe not but if I yeah if I was given the choice between the two and it was the same price or, or yeah I would definitely think yeah a 3D it didn't give me a gigantic headache mm-hmm. and um it it added something yeah and that is the thing every time you hear Andy and I talk about these you know IMAX 3D movies and we have talked about a few. Some of them, it just, it is completely unnecessary. Why did they do that? Uh, with this one, again, was it was it necessary? No, but it worked. Yeah. And I think that is one of the hallmarks of these IMAX 3D things is, is if it works. And it did. And it looked incredible. Um, on to past the visuals, which are amazing. And they deserve a bunch of accolades. That being said, I still do not think the Academy looks at any of this. Like, as much as the visuals are incredible in this... I think it'll get a, a nomination for special effects. Really? I do. Are you willing to go on the record on, on yes. that? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I just did, didn't I? Yeah, true story. <laughs> Wait, no. I thought this was just you and I talking. I thought we established that. <laughs> Man. Okay, so I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Andy says this will be nominated hmm. so we, uh, want, for Best Picture. Speci- <laughs> no, I never said that. Okay. And Yeah. I hope it will. I just I think that the reliance on practical stuff is what the Academy looks at more. But it's 2017. Granted, a lot of this was on green screens. 
but it looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the behind the scenes videos of this, I watched some of. That was awesome because it is not like I'm trying to think of a movie um, where they're basically on a green screen or green stage these days. It is not just a green screen, mm-hmm. um, but with this one, they were on this green stage, jumping, leaping. They have pulleys, they have tethers, like it is a full action scene while on this green stage. That was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is not not as easy as it as it once was. But I hope it gets nominated. We will see. And then I will rub it in your face next year. <laughs> well, you won't have the opportunity to. Mm, we will see about that. Uh, okay. With the characters. The thing that I liked about this one is, like you said in the first one, there were some characters that either did not really hit very well or you did not really care about. Is that kind of what you were saying about the first one and how you felt about it? Um, yeah, it's just the, yeah, the, the, the variance between them. I mean, me, obviously Star-Lord, um, the Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, (laughs) Chris Pratt Mm -hmm. character is, is central and, uh, he's, he does a great job. I, I like, uh, Bradley Cooper as, Mm -hmm. or or Rocket. I guess you don't really see Bradley Cooper at all. Um, but I like Rocket. Um, I, I I forgot what Zoe Saldana's character is. Gamora. Gamora. Um, See, I didn't think, I mean, I know she was kind of like the love, the pseudo love interest mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, I didn't think she worked out that well, even though sort of like the sister um, issues with um, with the her sister. Um, mm-hmm. was, Nebula. Was, Nebula was, was an, I thought that was an okay sub story to things. But as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't think she fit in as well with the team in the first one in the first one Mm -hmm. but in the second one too see that that was i think another thing that i really enjoyed about the second one there are a ton of characters i mean oh yeah in the main guardians well essentially you have five people we will say six um and so that would be one thing if you're just dealing with that but you are not you're dealing with uh ego played by the legendary Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Uh, you have his uh, assistant, Mantis. You have the Sovereign, which is this whole other uh, alien race. And the way that this movie balanced... And you have the Ravagers. Don't forget all and, the Ravagers. And the Ravagers. Oh, my gosh. Um, the way that they balance all of these, it really made you feel like all of them were part of the movie. You felt for all of these characters, and that was something I was really surprised with. When I heard that Sylvester Stallone was going to be in this, uh, I got your heart sink. Not sink, but I was just like, okay, why? And I know why, because he knows that if he makes this movie, he's going to make a crap ton of money. I get it. Um, He did it for art. (laughs) Sure. Uh, So he was playing Stakar. And when you first see him and the interaction that he has with Yondu, and this is, again, not really a spoiler, uh, we'll not go into what happens, but you know that they interact at some point. I was like, okay, this is a weird thing for Sylvester Stallone to agree to if this is it. Because this little scene, granted, for that little scene, you probably got a big chunk of change. But I should have had more faith in Marvel. Everything they do is calculated. Everything they do is setting up things six steps ahead of time. Like a master chess player. 
So they knew what they were doing. I did not really have faith in that, but it absolutely paid off in the end. I think one of my problems is that it, it was it was actually too much. There were there were too many characters and they were being thrown in because you just got this feeling, which I'm thinking that you have uh, confirmed, that you know they are going to be relevant in another movie. Yes, both with the Guardians and some of the other characters that you see, some of which we seriously only saw for 30 seconds. Yeah. But what they plan on doing with those down the road, this is something uh, Tim and I, People's Critic, friend of the family, have talked about going back a long time. With the upcoming movies like Infinity War, which is going to be this massive, massive scale Marvel movie, they're going to need a lot of people to die in those movies <laughs> because it just it is not going to work. You get 50 people who all who now we know of in these established movies, people are going to die. So I like that in this movie they set things up for the future even if it is just enough for us to be like, "Oh, it is that person. Oh, crap, they died." <laughs> but everything everything is calculated. Everything makes sense to me. To you, yeah. No, I mean it. Make it, it totally makes sense. I just think that it is, it it feels a little bit calculated, mm -hmm. a little bit commercial. Yeah, I I mean it is, but you and I both know of franchises where they might start layering these things, and you know that they will never pay off, <laughs> or when they do, you just get upset. Um, but with this one, how did you feel about the relationships? In this because there are multiple relationships <clears throat> how did you feel about that well as i said i thought it was perhaps a little over complicated with all the different sets of people uh, not people but beings i guess they're people beings are people um <laughs> wow should that be a should that be an audio clip that i throw uh, in absolutely for a segment um so so that that was over complex for a movie of this sort of nature, I felt. Um, okay. The individual uh, relationships between the various Guardians, I think it, it developed relatively well from the first movie. Mm -hmm. it, there, there was good continuation. Um, uh, again, the, the Gamora... Um, Nebula. No, the Gamora relationship with the whole team I didn't oh. feel was as strong as all the other characters' relationships um, with each other. I mean, it seems really her relationship is with uh, the Chris Pratt character and, and doesn't mm -hmm. really relate well to the other characters in the way that all the other characters seem to relate well to each I mean, not well, but I mean, they, ha they have comic uh, kind of relationships or they have dramatic and tense relationships mm -hmm. and things like that and I didn't feel that with uh, Gamora so much so that, that was kind of a, a bit of an issue I think for me see and I I can see where you're coming from um, I think the way that they handled Gamora and Nebula's relationship in contrast to Gamora and Star-Lord or Peter Quill's relationship was done in a smart way because if suddenly Gamora becomes this doe-eyed innocent who falls for the hunky guy, but still has to be this, you know, uh, counterpoint to Nebula's craziness, I do not think it would have worked. So I liked that they kept her the strong, independent female character, 
in both of those relationships. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, it was consistent because that is the big thing is when you're dealing with so much of this, that consistency is really important with Drax. His character has changed the most from the first movie. In the first movie, he was kind of angry, kind of sad, uh, made some funny jokes. Um, one of my favorites was one where I think it was Rocket said something and he was like, he's like, oh, it's sarcasm. It went over your head and he was like, nothing would go over my head. I would catch it. And he is not saying it sarcastically. Like, that is just his tone. That was great. In this one, they really let him kind of shine and they let him really develop that character into something that into a character that is having fun yet still having that deadpan delivery that makes sense within that character uh there's interaction that he has with with mantis that was in the trailers where he just starts uproariously laughing that happens more than once and that is awesome to see because in such a goofy movie to have a character who is willing to just let that all out there was great all the while telling mantis that she is ugly and horrendous and that no one would ever find her attractive <laughs> so yeah it was great so i think he kind of developed the most uh rocket was rocket mm -hmm. uh the same type of um anger that you saw in the first one because that realization of he is a creation from a lab like he has all almost all cybernetic body parts he was genetically mutated kind of makes it angry mm -hmm. uh, but in this one one of the other characters just kind of lays it out on front street for him and he was like i understand you and rocket has never had someone who truly has understood him before <laughs> okay <clears throat> this leads into maybe one of the problems i had with the movie was mm -hmm. the uh, uh the the comedy yes uh action yes but it also veering dangerously close into schmaltz it was a bit schmaltzy yeah yeah you have i mean and not just like the the relationship pseudo relationship between uh star lord and gamora but the father son stuff that goes on mm -hmm. in, in a number a couple of different ways yeah, the movie, with a couple of different characters and the sister sister stuff between gamora and nebula mm -hmm. um good job again I could yeah. throw you for a loop and say Tia and Tamara. It was a sister-sister reference. Someone will get that. Anyway. Not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, again, uh, another, for me, one of those things where too much stuff was thrown into the movie. Yeah, I, I could see that. Because, yeah, it, there were moments when it was, yeah, it was pulling at your heartstrings something fierce. Uh, yeah. So the other thing is this was also self-referential and cartoony to the point where sometimes it was there almost just to break the tension. Like this were a high-paced thriller. This is a comic book movie. There's a scene in the in kind of the climactic battle that everything is being intense, everything is going. And there's a moment that just to me kind of like it was funny. But I was like, wait, this is in the middle of a moment where almost the universe is at stake, just like it was in the first one. He goes into a dance battle. You know, so it, it was kind of just odd. Um, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just did a he motion. He just did a, the, a kind of a hand <laughs> puppet yeah. motion thing. Again, you're not the only ventriloquist in this room. 
ventriloquism requires a voice and you were mm-hmm. doing that without a voice <laughs> true the listeners cannot tell that you were doing something <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> but yeah i didn't like that i did not yeah. like that it was just it was kind of odd. that thing that uh, listeners that you did not see that guy named john just doing <laughs> was not good mm-hmm. <laughs> in uh, the movie in the in the movie, I mean, his representation of it also was was not oh, that good. I was thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then it suddenly became clear. But it made sense. But it will never become clear to the listeners. Anyway, sure. carry on. Um, so yeah, uh, I liked I liked the different elements that they kind of threw in there. Um, the sovereign, I think, is a cool uh, race that they kind of were able to put in there, and it still makes sense. One odd moment, and this is right towards the beginning when they're being attacked by the sovereign and there are all of these like tiny little ships coming after them and rocket says i can't wait to kill some guys or something like that and it was like whoa but then of course after the first couple that get shot down i think it was uh chris pratt who says oh these are just drones that are being piloted from afar and it was just like it was a super easy out to all of these ships that are getting blown up have nobody have literally nobody in them it was clever i mean because this is a family style movie that was smart it was just that line that rocket says it was like that eh, was some deep-seated stuff you just brought back to the or brought up to the forefront quite a few people died in this movie though there were, there were a few um there was, there was quite a few <laughs> do you not remember that scene with the Wait, ravages do, do a hand motion <laughs> well, I, can't, I can't really do it because there's yeah. too many of them um yeah, I, I do and yeah yeah. I'd... Oh, but okay. So back to the sovereign. <laughs> I mean, it was, with that, it was that was a smart way to do it. In that, when Rocket says something like that, you kind of get nervous, you know. But they were all drones. There is a pretty intense scene later on. So yeah, the, people do die. <laughs> lots, lots of people lots of die people. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I think that about covers it. Uh, Yondu was was great, and I liked that they gave him his mohawk. It's Michael Rooker. Yes, Michael Rooker. They gave him his mohawk, which he had in the comics. Granted, in the comics, it was like ten inches high, and it like went down part of his back. It was it was pretty awesome. Um, so they gave him his 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 mohawk. That might be a little bit of a spoiler, but he has it, and it is really great. And they incorporate it really well. Uh, yeah. So I think that about covers it. On to the rating system of this podcast, Andy's favorite rating system. <laughs> okay, here's some here's a little behind the scenes, kids. Uh, when I first had this idea for the podcast, the very first episodes that Andy and I recorded, which have not aired, uh, that same tone and and breath that you heard mm-hmm. is what happened way back then mm-hmm. when I introduced this amazing rating system. We have, we have consistency; it's, it hasn't gotten <laughs> any do. better. Their rating system. You have three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. A good movie ranges from a a good movie to a fantastic movie. Yeah, uh, whatever. Just drink your coffee. Uh, A bad movie is something that, you know, did not hate. It was not something that you just were really upset that you spent a couple hours in the theater. Uh, And an ugly movie is one that you did hate yourself and the creators and the actors and everyone involved life and life for that two hours that you spent. So for the ratings, good, bad, and ugly, 
Dr. Andy, what do you give Guardians of the Galaxy um, Volume 2? Mm, yeah, okay. So I kind of have to give it a split split uh, result because I, um, I'm not a, a gigantic uh, comic book movie fan, mm-hmm. as, as we have already determined earlier in the, the episode. Yes. Um, but it was it was pretty watchable, so I would say for any um, comic book fan, I would give it a good. It's mm-hmm. definitely something that is very watchable. If nothing else, you know the the action and the CGI was really good, and the uh, comic moments were were quite funny. I'd I'd you know if if somebody who did not have any real um, history of going to see comic movies comic book movies mm-hmm. uh came to me and asked me about whether i would recommend it i would have to give it a bad rating wow because because um it you know it 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 i don't know that it added an awful lot to you know the things. cinematic landscape to the cinematic <laughs> landscape exactly so yeah i have a bit of a wow. split so if you if you like comic movies yeah good if you don't bad I gotta take a deep breath first. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, sh- sure. Uh, I disagree in the sense where my rating, my official rating for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, is a solid, very solid, good. I say that as the aforementioned, or as the Andy mentioned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Uh, I am the core audience. I know the comics. I have some of the comics that they talk about in in these in this film in particular. I have the characters, so I was all in already. That said, I was still very satisfied by the differences that they have. Uh, there are a bunch of Easter eggs in this movie for comic book fans like myself. Uh, Things like Martinex, things like Howard the Duck, who you saw at the post-credit scenes of the first Guardians. Again, 30 seconds, maybe, that you see him. Totally they... unnecessary. A little bit. I have no idea what they plan on doing Stan with him. Stan Lee. Really? Um, amazing. One quick view of him would Technically be more two. than... I, no, I'm saying oh, okay. one <laughs> small view of him would have been more than enough. We didn't really need to, especially with him actually talking for you know, 30 seconds. Love it. Um, so that being said, so my rating is good. The one thing I will say to people, and I put this up on Twitter as well, stay through every single credit. I say that like until they turn the lights on and the Marvel logo comes up and an usher pokes you to leave, stay in your seat. There are five post credit scenes. So stay there. Um, and yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I will definitely be watching it again so there we go that was guardians of the galaxy volume 2 moving on to a film or a series of films that if only they had the budget of maybe 170 dollars and not 170 million uh, i'm talking about a film festival that just happened this past weekend called the 50 hour slam which was held in spokane washington so this is kind of like a certain other a uh, film series thing called the 48-Hour Film Project, but different. They I'm, have two more hours. <laughs> they have two uh, two more hours. Uh, so, yes, you have heard Andy and I talk about film festivals like this before, where the 48-Hour Film Festival, same type of thing. You get 50 hours 
from the day they launch, you get a topic, you get your theme, you start shooting immediately. And you have to have your finished product done and completed and submitted within 50 hours. So they have festivals like this all over the world. 40-hour festivals, 50-hour slams, uh, Crazy 8s up in Canada. Shout out to Kristen uh, and everybody involved with Crazy 8s up there and Lillian. So where they have eight days. So this is a 50-hour slam uh, festival in Spokane. One of the people that I, this podcast would not be where it is right now without him is Brandon Smith from Vexing Media. So he actually sent me the links to the films that were going to be shown at the festival since, unfortunately, Andy and I were not able to be on site for this festival. So we were able to, we had, we kind of had our mini, a mini film festival uh, the other night mm-hmm. where we watched all of these films the same way that they were presented at the film festival. Not all of the films. We saw a, a selection well, of we the saw, films. We saw all of the films that were shown at the screening on Saturday. So we, of the, of those ones. Mm-hmm. And then we watched a couple extra that we just that looked interesting. So similar to other film festivals of this type, uh, you have a prop. And this year, since this is the seventh anniversary of the 50-hour slam, apparently the traditional gift for a seventh anniversary is copper. Uh, I think that goes back to like the 20th anniversary is paper and things like that. Andy, since when you were a kid, uh, anniversaries were not really celebrated because like it was papyrus and things like that. Where did this come from? Like, where did all these, like, random copper paper gifts come from? Tell me the story. <laughs> um, it, it's from Big Copper. But <laughs> <laughs> that evil industry. The evil industry of Big Copper. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so this year, the prop that every film had to use was a penny somewhere. Some of the films incorporated it uh, a lot. Some of it, again, just like any type of film festival where you have to use a prop, Sometimes it is just there. Mm-hmm. You see it for a second, and they're like, eh? Eh? We used it. We did. So there's that. The location for this, they had to use a Spokane landmark. There's only three Spokane landmarks, <laughs> apparently. Well, and this is no shade on, on the films. You would think there's only one. So there was, yeah, there was a bridge, uh, the Maple Street Bridge, or Monroe Street Bridge, one of those two, that gets featured in almost all all of these mm. so that was the location and then they had to use a theme and this year's theme was fashion design and they were kind of judged on how well it was incorporated and the fashion design could be woven into the elements that each of these fashion designers gave them so earth water air fire so that was other just a mm. twist because the thing that i like about all of these types of festivals Say Andy and I have a great idea for a film that we want to do for a festival. You can write out some ideas, but then once you show up and they say you have to use a penny, you have to go to this bridge, and you have to incorporate fashion design. Having and it has Earth. to be a musical. Right. <laughs> like, ah. Like, oh. So it forces that creativity. And flexibility. And flexibility yeah. in the best way. Because then it is like, okay, we need to get going and figure this out as we go. So, yeah, big shout out to the 50 Hour Slam. Thank you guys uh, for letting us watch these films and talk about it. Speaking of films, how about you talk about a couple of the ones that stood out for you? And then we will give our uh, 
best of show mm-hmm. for the 50 hour <laughs> slam what you got okay so i got three um which were i i enjoyed quite a lot and mm-hmm. i to what extent can we do spoilers for this one john so actually that is that is a really good question another thing that the 50 hour slam does that i really like as of recording today so it is sunday all of the films are online so that is really great because they have a viral video vote so i will put a link down below you can follow that link watch any and all of these films and vote for your favorite. Okay, so, so. Um, not uh, we we are reserving our best in show, uh, but three I would recommend <laughs> I, I think mm-hmm. uh, to people to watch. Uh, one is Heart to Heart. Uh, really? We, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a, I thought it was a very clever take on um, dating, <laughs> modern dating through things like, but not actually Tinder. Copyright. Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was it it, uh, it was pretty well acted. Um, production values were were very good, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I don't think I've seen anything like it, and especially not with the with the uh, incorporation of the modern dating um, uh, device. Mm-hmm. So I thought, yeah, no, I, I, I and it was it was a a pretty good twist. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it was clever. Yeah, uh, okay. there was that one. There was a um, <laughs> a very low tech animation called uh, Gonzo <laughs> District. <laughs> right. Very mm-hmm. topical. Uh, clearly, very very topical. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I thought it was very funny. Um, it was. It's very political and very Extremely. topically political. <laughs> mm-hmm. So not everybody. I'd say about maybe 60% of the voting population will enjoy it and about 40 dropping down slowly over the next 100 days um, to <laughs> slightly less than 40 um, will will find it uh, horrible, terrible, no good. Uh, ugly, very bad day. <laughs> very bad day for them. Um, but it, it was very simple. I mean, sort of, can't say production values were terribly high, but that, I, it was... <laughs> that said, uh, and we can, again, one thing... We will talk about that. I will talk about with this because so it is whiteboard animation. And when I say whiteboard animation, a big thing that you see on a lot of websites these days are digital whiteboards mm. where everything is super smooth. Mm-hmm. This was a hand drawn White whiteboard, board. whiteboard <laughs> animation. With dry erase markers. One that, color. One <laughs> like, That takes an incredible amount of time because essentially you're doing stop motion animation. Yeah. So, yeah, huge props to to that. Just for doing that in 50 hours and editing that, I bet, was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the the guy who made it must have drunk a lot of coffee or done other stuff to just keep going on that one. Um, And the third one, third almost uh, also ran, I guess, uh, was one called Angel and the Bear. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a musical Mm -hmm. uh again production values were very very high the uh, cinematography was very nice the sound was was very good yeah uh and it was it was quite sweet um without being overly saccharine um and it had a it had a a a brief but it had a story arc Mm -hmm. uh a narrative arc and um yeah it was just done really nicely and again sort of 
when you have to put together not only a film but you're putting together like music yeah. and, and creating a song for it that's that's pretty amazing to do in the course of 50 hours so those that's th- my three honorable mentions nice uh yeah th- those were all solid uh the other thing that i liked about this film festival in particular is this is also i mean spokane for those of you who are listening from all over the world spokane is just it is a smaller town um and so when we watch these film festivals from big cities and when we when film of palooza was here and we got to watch films from all over the world it is fascinating to me to see the different perspectives and the different budgets and the different tones that all of these different film festivals take from all over the world, regardless of city size. Mm-hmm. So, and even when we saw ones from big cities, there was one in particular at the 48 hour film festival. If you remember this really high production values, really well done. And in one of the scenes, you hear somebody go action, <laughs> <laughs> you know, behind the camera <laughs> And it just, it makes it real. And so I like that a lot, um, even in big cities. So in a smaller city, you know, like Spokane, having a film festival like this with over 300 filmmakers involved in it is awesome. So to my mm. uh, three honorable mentions, uh, my first one, it was it was interesting because it took a twist that I was not expecting. There were a few of these that took mm-hmm. <laughs> some twists. Uh, my Which first... is difficult because, I mean, it's yeah. three to five minutes here. Three to six. Six, okay. Yeah. And that is <laughs> that is not enough, or not not usually enough time to develop it. But uh, my first honorable mention is Tiny Armor. And this one I liked because when it first started out, I was like, okay, this is going to be like a funny, maybe cosplay type situation. The two actors, or the actor and the actress uh, were funny. Like they had good timing. They're wearing these cardboard suits of armor, and every time they lift up their face mask, they go, and they make a sound. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is funny. Then it took a turn, and it... Wasn't so funny anymore, was it? No. (laughs) Uh, It took a really, really dramatic turn, and but it made made sense. Um, I liked it, and I think I liked it because it made that twist really connect. Because uh, at first you're like, how is this going to work out? But it was this was pretty brutal. Like mm-hmm. it was it was a tough one, a tough six minute you know film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was done really well. Uh, yeah, the storyline was good. The script was good. So I was I was impressed with it. Uh, that was tiny armor. Uh, my second one was also Angel and the Bear. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, it just it was hilarious. To me, it reminded me very much so of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog by Joss Whedon. Again, any of these short films, no matter what festival you do, if you have a time constraint and you are able to not only write a song, this is done in a studio, like the, or at least a well, well-recorded well area. Mm-hmm. Like It was good. Like It was really well done. The mm-hmm. songs were smart. The editing was good. The sound design was great. Because a lot of these... You're dealing with filmmakers, some of which have access to very high-end uh, equipment, and you have other people who do not. Maybe and so, do not. <laughs> the sound design on some of these was off by quite a bit, but still, that happens. That I will never stop somebody's creative pursuit if they're doing it. If they're just like, you know what, I only have an iPhone, but I want to make a movie for this festival, do it. So, but yeah. So, Angel and the Bear, 
hilarious, uh, great music. And then my third one, before I get to my best in show, my third honorable mention was one that I do not believe played at the festival, but we watched it um, with the screening links, was Practically Broadway. And this one actually, the actor from this one, uh, yep, I can. I was like, I got all worried for a second. I was like, wait, this comes out on Wednesday. <laughs> um, he won Best Actor. So Practically Broadway is like this kind of college uh, music theater, or not even music theater, uh, theater atmosphere with this over-the-top director who has this creative vision and with this three-person play. It connected with me because Andy and I both have spent time in and around theater we know people like this <laughs> those directors who are like all right this is my vision you were like okay what do i do and they were like well you just can't feel it out and you're like wait no tell me what to do <laughs> this is your vision so it was just it was really funny it was really well done uh and it was done in a smart way it was one location yep uh some yep. of these i was impressed that they went to a bunch of different locations even though sometimes it did not really Makes sense to mm -hmm. go to multiple locations. <laughs> um, but it, with this one, it just made sense. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, best in show. Da -da 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 -da. Andy. <laughs> um, I, I would say, despite me liking those other three, mm -hmm. um, that Head and Shoulders, above all the other films I saw for the 50 Hour Slam, was the short film Solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the had the best acting. I mean, I agree with you that the uh, the 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 guy from uh, Practically Broadway did a very good job. But mm -hmm. I thought the main, really, the only character on screen uh, of Solidarity did a fantastic job for what mm -hmm. he was doing. Um, it was very clever. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny, really, really funny. It was the only one in which I was kind of like belly laughing <laughs> right. through. Um, and it was, it was just something I hadn't, again, very novel, completely new. Um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I think, I mean, easily this could have been in the, um, you know, the world, world a palooza -y thing, which I've forgotten what it's called now. <laughs> wow. Film a palooza? <laughs> Film a palooza. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. It, it, it would have been in very good, uh, good company at, at Film a palooza. Yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Nice. Uh, solid choice. My best in show for the 50 hour slam held in Spokane, Washington. Solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> we are in solidarity about solidarity. We, we are. I don't, I actually, I don't know why it was called solidarity. I don't know if that really fits as a uh, yeah. thing, but <laughs> I was, I was wondering about maybe because he is the only person you see. Um, I guess, maybe uh, like, uh, yeah. but the team name for that. And I did want to make sure to get their team name because it is the best in show. Uh, the team name is Drinky Birds, hmm. uh, not Flappy Bird, like the game. The reason that I like this one so much, again, you have 50 hours. Embrace the challenge, but live within your means. This was a green screen and a guy. Granted, what they were able to do with the green screen, you know, that took some editing and some effects. and It was really well done, but it was really, really funny. And when it first started, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like Andy said, this by far was the funniest of all of the shorts that we saw, both that showed on Saturday at the festival and the other ones that we watched. It was just great. Um, and again, there was one guy 
on screen. There are a couple other people involved, but it just it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I want to see it again. Yeah. yeah. And we can. And we can. <laughs> uh, and I encourage people to, like I said, uh, I will put the link in the description of this episode. I will put it out on Twitter uh, to go to the website, 50 Hour Slam. There's a specific link. And vote for your favorite. But yeah, you can watch all of these. In total, there were 36. And again, when, so, when does the uh, viral vote have to be in by? Uh, it will be for 30 days. Okay. So I think it is for the month of May. And so with a film festival like this, these are three to six minute films. Even with 36 of these, watch it over a weekend in a couple chunks and you can see everything. So, but yeah, solidarity. Uh, great. What are the other notes I put down? Uh, when the director, again, I have a theme apparently. Uh, the director of this or the person you hear behind the camera is just more than once says, don't argue with my artistic vision. <laughs> and the poor guy in front is just trying to get his stuff done. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, last thing I have to say about that, pet the cow. Yeah. Colleen Lavache. Pet the cow. I think it was Colleen Lavache. <laughs> Something like that. Watch it again. Sorry. So fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, again, a big shout out to Brandon Smith of Vexing Media for helping us out and being able to send us those links. Uh, the other producers of the 50-hour slam were Purple Crayon Productions and Kinetic Energy Productions. So, Excellent diction, John. Thank what, you. <laughs> why, thank you, Andy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I encourage people to go to, you, you have heard Andy and I talk about it before, find these local film festivals in your community and support the arts. Support these people who are willing to go out on a limb, do something creative, do something different, and just put their art out there. It is very important to me to support the arts. So I'm pushing that on you, the listeners. Go find a festival. Tell me about your local festival, actually. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And if any film festival organizers want to get a hold of me and do the same type of thing, I am more than happy to do that. Moving on to our last segment of this episode, which is the upcoming, I'd say that I think the press screenings technically started this week. But Seattle International Film Festival 2017. SIF. Or otherwise known as SIF. So, Andy, briefly, oh. what is your history with SIF? You have been going forever, right? I, I probably have. I'm, I'm sure I have been going to it since I first showed up in Seattle in 1994, maybe even before then when I was kind of visiting Seattle from time mm. to time. Um, yeah, so I... I, I I'm not one of the folks who goes to dozens of films. I I just go to a few per mm -hmm. per festival. But yeah, it 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 all adds up. Yes. <laughs> um. So I don't know about you, but I have a, a, a definite um way of going about uh SIF. Tell me about it. Um. So there are some, I have some rules. Mm -hmm. uh, let's call them guidelines because they can be broken. Okay. <laughs> um. But the, my basic guidelines are to avoid films in English. Mm hmm. Uh, to avoid films which have a release date because I, I i figure yeah. if you're going to go to a film festival um why see a film that's about to be released two weeks from now it's kind of a bit silly because why don't you just go and see it then there's way ton i mean there's what 400 
different or, movies yeah. being shown <laughs> at the film festival, yeah. which is absolutely insane. And so there, there's a wealth of films which will will don't have a release right now, and mm-hmm. in all probability will never have an American release. So mm-hmm. this may be your your only option to to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, so go Grant- and see something. Absolutely. I mean, and granted, it is becoming easier for these filmmakers to get distribution, whether that is on Amazon Prime Video, Netflix, Hulu. So I like that it is no longer the big three studios trying to grab up all of these films, but now they have a lot of options. So, yeah, so those are your general guidelines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And then last year, uh, way back on episodes 10, 11, and 12, was when we uh, talked about SIF last year. I got to interview some amazing creators of projects. I hope to do that same thing again this year. So look forward to that. Uh, and so, and last year, you saw one of... Why are you bringing this up? Because it makes me happy. <laughs> so, last year... Uh, yes, I saw I saw a very decent Czech film called Rodini. Mm, that was or, not the one I was thinking of. family film in English. And you're not... No, yeah, John's trying to... Alluding to the... the the Thai movie Island Funeral, which is as is anybody who's actually listened to our SIF uh, report from last year will know, is uh, was my least favorite movie of of the whole film festival, and is most definitely in my top five worst movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because the, the listeners can just go back to. Whichever episode, episode that was. I think that was episode 12. That was okay, our SIF yeah, wrap-up. I mean, uh, again, <laughs> I, I, I always tell John, hey, let's let's make these episodes snappy. Let's make them quick and let's not dwell on things too much. And I, I know I spent at least 20 minutes talking about how bad this film was. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah, I, it was amazing. And it makes me happy every time we talk about <laughs> it. So this year, what are a couple films so far? Like Andy mentioned, there are 400 films <laughs> As part of the Seattle International Film Festival, representing 80 countries. So, with your guidelines, you had a chance to kind of peruse through the book. What are some just yeah. quick hits that... that yeah, I that haven't had a, 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 enough time to really research the ones that I want to... Uh, the, and that I will be able to mm-hmm. see. Um, uh, but ones which uh, I, I sort of move in the direction of in general is I like uh, I like Czech movies. There's mm-hmm. no Czech movies as far as I uh, know in wow. this year's. I know that's that's kind of unusual. I also like Danish movies. Um, okay. And there's one which I am uh, I think I'm going to try and catch, which is called Small Town Killers or in the original oh, Danish. Wait. Oh, wait, it's wait, wait, be... oh, before I do that. So yeah. if you listen back to last year, Andy gets this perverse pleasure of any time I mess up <laughs> accents <laughs> or countries or anything. So, you know, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So the the Danish name for this is Drebena Franiba. That sounds awful. Uh, and the, the, <laughs> what John forgets is I actually lived in Denmark for five months. So yeah, that, I, <laughs> I think most Danish people would actually be able to understand what the heck I just said there, um, which is basically the, the killers from Niba. Um, mm. Yeah, no, it, it sounds it, it's, uh, sounds like a little bit of fun. Uh, the Danes do have uh, a sense of humor, so I'm looking forward to, <laughs> right. to maybe catching that one. Uh, there's a Spanish movie, which I think I would be interested uh, or I want to try and see. It's called The Bar. And I'm, again, my Spanish is not as good as my Danish, but I'm going to... Uh, it, 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 its name in Spanish is El Bar. Oof, so wow. <laughs> I'm going out on a limb there. That, that's <laughs> right. close to how it's pronounced. Uh, that sounds kind of interesting. 
And uh, I guess another Scandinavian movie. Wow. Uh, it's a biopic uh, called King's Choice. Mm. Um, that I, I, I like historical m- movies, and this one is set in the Second World War, which is again, you know, a, a period I like watching movies from. True. Um, so yeah, I, I think if I can try and capture those three, and I, I, I really like to be surprised so i try not to read up too much about mm-hmm. any particular movies if it if it just the color the the shortest description grabs my attention i'm willing to take a chance which is how i end up with things like island funeral of course mm-hmm. um <laughs> oh the smile on my face <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I just my head is just every year around this time starts spinning because it's so difficult to make choices of what to see in a mm-hmm. festival this gigantic yeah, and the booklet for this year, I mean, let me just grab it real quick. Let me see if I flip to the back, see how many pages there are. 55 pages in the SIF booklet. So, and each film only gets like you know, like an inch worth yeah. of description. So, I mean, it's it's packed with stuff. Yeah, um, it, is, it is pretty massive. Uh, a couple quick hits for me uh, that look really interesting. Uh, okay, Oof, here we go. Warming up my tongue. Where's this film from, John? This is from Iran. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so actually before <laughs> before I do this, I know for a fact that I have some Iranian <laughs> listeners. Um mm. some people that I met actually at SIF last year. So I apologize <laughs> before I even get this out there. Ejdeha Vrad Mashavad. It sounds perfect. See, I'm to not me. qualified to know whether that sounds no. even slightly close. I mean I could my yeah, Farsi is terrible. I could call my family, maybe get some pronunciation. <laughs> anyway. Uh so the English for this is A Dragon Arrives. Uh, and this is an Iranian film. I saw this actually at the... I saw a trailer for it at the press launch event that Sif had. The visual style of this film looks incredible because it, it had this mix of kind of gumshoe noir is how they describe it, uh, along with being a ghost story, uh, driving through the desert, just really striking imagery right off the bat. So, it looks interesting. I definitely am in for it. All right. Uh, that is one of them. Um, there is one that I saw clips of on YouTube a while ago that I thought was a joke. It turns out it is actually a real movie. It is called, or the English title. I'm not actually sure if it, let me see if it has. Is this a Japanese movie by any chance? Nope. That one is coming up. <laughs> okay. um, uh, oh, Bad Black. Uh, Bad Black. Bad Black is the English title. Uh, this is coming out of Uganda, uh, and it does not have another title. So there you go. They so, do use English in Uganda. So so Bad Black. This movie looks insane. Uh, it basically is like someone just got MS Paint and maybe the most minimal video editing software and smashed them together. Uh it is, that sounds like a short movie, John. Uh, it is 68 minutes, which is why when I saw the clips on YouTube, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, this looks kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're showing the full-length 68-minute version of this micro, and I say micro-budget studio founded by uh, Ugandan action movie lover uh, Nabwana IgG. So it just it looks so bizarre. I will put a link actually to... All of this. Actually, I will not need to because this year, what is awesome about the SIF website, SIF.net, you can just search for any of the movies that we have mentioned. Big trailer pops up right up front and it gives you a little blurb about it. All right. 
Uh, that is one. Uh, and then a couple, uh, because I also like biopics, uh, the Paris Opera. This takes place at the Paris Opera over a full season, just talks about the behind the scenes things. That looks great to me because mm-hmm. I, as I have mentioned before, I have spent my life kind of in and around theater, on stage, backstage, all of it. So that looks really cool to me. And then a movie called Step, which this one I am really excited for. Uh, this actually is about a real world uh, group of three Baltimore high school students who are going to a step competition. Mm-hmm. And, well, do you have any idea what a step competition is, Andy? Um, that, that's where people uh, show how great they are at walking. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> short answer, no. Oh, uh, darn it. Stepping and step competitions are a staple in uh, historically black colleges. That was where it started in the fraternities. So really looking forward to that kind of documentary uh, called Step. The director's in town. I'm going to try and yeah hook up with them and talk to them. And I think that it... Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Well, how, could I, Japanese, how could Japanese I not Japanese. mention one of the most insane trailers I have ever seen? Not just at a festival like this. Uh, the full title, and again, I don't think they gave a, uh, a Japanese title, um, is Meatball Machine Kodoku. Kodoku! Oh, I, this trailer, I showed it to Andy the other night, um, it is from the director of Tokyo Gore Police, <laughs> so <laughs> that guys, that says enough right there. I I was so confused by the end of of the trailer, John. I have no idea what's going on, other than there's lots and lots of gore mm-hmm. and things cr- causing gore in some way or fashion or something. I don't know. I am so confused. The funny thing about that, I have no idea what this movie is about, other than like there's a loose description of like cyber cyberpunk police force blah 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 it is one of the bloodiest trailers i have ever seen uh, which normally i really am not a fan of but i am a fan of insane japanese movies so and this this looks to fit the bill yep, yep. uh so yeah those, those are just a couple quick highlights of the upcoming sif 2017 um I want to thank all of the the SIF staff, especially Sophia Perez, who uh, helped me out last year with SIF, and I am going to be working with her again this year. So everybody at the SIF staff is tremendous. I will also be putting up um, some buttons that I got at the SIF press launch uh, that I will be doing some sort of giveaway for. Uh, quick, Andy, think of two keywords having to do with this film festival. Big. Yep gigantic oh, wow i was because i was going to try and use this as a hashtag doing hashtag big gigantic <laughs> might, <laughs> might not be the best hashtag uh how about films this? how about that, that uh do the hashtag how about we say atr at sif so capital a capital t capital r a t s i f f use that hashtag with the picture that i will put up when this episode comes out and see if you can use or see if you can win one of these button packs that I have. So there we go. That was for SIF 2017. It is going to be incredible. I will not be watching 400 films. I, yeah. No, me neither. I'm going to try and watch a bunch. Maybe though. together we can see 400. 
Ooh, is that a challenge? <laughs> no, that would be insane. Anyway, uh, so that kind of wrapped it up. We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which Andy gave a good and a bad, yep. which he totally circumnavigated my amazing grading mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. I gave an incredibly solid good. We talked about the 50-hour slam film festival in Spokane, Washington. Thank you to Brandon Smith, Vexing Media, Purple Crayon Productions, and Kinetic Energy Productions. And we talked about the upcoming SIF 2017. Thank you, Sophia Perez and the rest of the SIF staff. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. Subscribe on iTunes for free. It is free media, people. We talk about movies and we talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, and you can like it. You can leave a five-star rating and comment. Uh, that would be great. And where else can people uh, find me, Andy? Uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. See, what is funny, I was waiting for Andy to say something ridiculous, but that one actually made sense. You can't find, Seattle. <laughs> you can't find the podcast on Stitcher.com slash About Treeview or search for About Treeview. So for this episode, I have been your host, that guy named John. And I have been Andy. And we'll see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media. <laughs>